Welcome to the Perspectives on Healthcare podcast, where members of the medical community from different roles, venues, and locations share their unique perspectives on quality healthcare, its future, and how to improve it. Now, from the Your Keynote Speaker Studio in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, here is your host, Rob Oliver. Thank you, and welcome to another edition of Perspectives on Healthcare. Today, my perspective comes from Anita Bangale. She is an emergency medicine physician practicing in Houston. She is right on the borderline between Generation X and Generation Y, and she joins us today. Uh, Anita, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Rob. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Wonderful. So let's start here. Uh, Tell me about yourself and your role in healthcare, please. Sure. So I am, as you mentioned, I'm an emergency physician and I have practiced in level one trauma centers, in suburban trauma centers, and currently am an owner and investor at a freestanding emergency department in Houston. Um, I have served as director. I've served as uh, lowest on the totem pole as an intern and resident and um, and also have kind of transitioned into a lot of the mental health care space. Um, I am also a provider as a teleprovider um, for Brightside. It's a national company. I was one of the first few physicians in the state of Texas to serve patients that have anxiety and depression and have been doing that remotely actually since pre-COVID times. And um, most importantly, my role is as a mom of three beautiful daughters. Well, congratulations on that, I'm sure. Uh, so talk to me a little bit about the the freestanding um, emergency room facility. Like, is it, it, it's not connected to another hospital or like, how does that work? Um, with handling the the trauma or the you know the folks that come through the door, sure. So Texas is one of the states where we have freestanding emergency departments, and as you said, it's kind of free floating in the sense that it's not attached to a specific hospital. We are able to observe people, so we're able to keep patients for up to twenty three hours. So, for example, if someone had a really bad asthma attack, and typically they would have to spend a night in the hospital, we're able to keep them and have the capacity to do so. We also do get, we're one of the only freestanding emergency departments in the state of Texas to receive ambulance traffic. So we definitely get walk-in trauma and and our community trusts us enough to bring patients to our department. But yes, we're able to transfer patients, but have that ability to keep patients as well. Okay, very interesting. It's a concept that I've not heard of before, so I appreciate the explanation on that. And then you talked a little bit about um, the mental health side of things and about the telehealth side of things. I, okay, pardon my pardon my lack of understanding on this, but are you able to do telehealth emergency visit uh, emergency assessments, at, or is that only in the the mental health side of things? So actually, both. Um, as I did work with my previous group um, when I was part of the hospital. And we did actually televisits for patients that were getting transported by ambulance services across Texas. Um, For example, there were patients in Dallas and EMS would come pick them up. They had something going on, 
but they didn't necessarily have to go to the emergency department. So they were able to kind of like Zoom with us. We were able to look at the patient. We had vital signs from the EMTs that we could trust. And then we were able to talk to the patients. And if we felt like they needed to go to the emergency department, we deemed them emergent and they went. And if we felt like it was kind of more or less critical and we could manage it through telemedicine, we talked to the patient directly. They saw us and that was a, that was a case. Yeah, I, okay. What a novel way to take care of the, you know, of the patient make def- deciding whether or not they, where they need to go and what the best plan of treatment is for them. A, a great approach and um, congratulations to you on being able to do that. What does quality healthcare mean to you? To me, quality healthcare means that we are able to form a deep connection where both people involved, the provider and the patient, feel this deep connection and understanding. I also think looking at the at the future of healthcare, quality means being mindful of the resources, doing things not just because of data-driven tactics. For example, not just because we're artificially trying to inflate patient satisfaction scores. Um, it means that we're really digging deep into finding out what is it that the patient wants and needs and how can the provider do that with keeping cost in mind as well. Okay. Can you talk to me a little bit more about that idea where you are, you're kind of balancing between patient, you know, patient centered care, patient driven um, outcomes and the limitations that you face as far as funding goes, how do you walk that balance? I think it's, it it is really getting down into that, the way that we communicate with patients. So sometimes people come in and it's, it's almost easy for us to say, oh, here's a prescription for an antibiotic. Does the patient actually need it? No. If we can invest time instead of money into a conversation with the patient, we can help them understand. And they don't think that we've uh, not given them proper care. They are understanding why we haven't given them an antibiotic, for example. Did it take more time to do the explanation? Yes. But in the end, are we saving the patient from an unnecessary medicine? Yes. Are we saving the overall global cost of healthcare in that conversation? Five minutes? Yes. And that's what I mean. Okay. It's really, it's fascinating to hear you say this. And here's why. During my, during my interview marathon, where I was talking to a ton of patients, the, the primary theme that I heard was that physicians and medical practitioners in general need to listen to their patients. The second thing that I heard most often was they need to take a little more time with them. How do you, how do you find the opportunity to take that time when you're living in a system that is insurance driven and says you have X number of minutes to process each patient? How do you, how do you make sure that you're getting the appropriate amount of time to hear what the patient really needs and is saying, and yet operate within the reimbursement framework. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes. And I think part of it for me came from being a good quitter. Uh, basically me leaving the hospital based emergency department for some time and coming to this freestanding location where I am able to connect with patients at a deeper level. I don't think about the the time as much. And 
because I'm able to actually invest more time talking to the patients, helping them understand why I'm doing certain things. And most importantly, why I'm not doing certain things. Mm -hmm. I'm not looking at a computer. I walk in able to have a connection with them because there's more capacity and time to care. Uh, Okay. Um, Again, it's a, it's a different concept. Is, is this a concept that you would say is a Texas concept? Is this a concept that you, that is why you started your standalone um, center or like, how does the, where does this fit in the framework uh, of it? It sounds a lot different than what's happening on a national level. You're absolutely right. And I think there are several states that have uh, the ability to have freestanding emergency departments. Um, when I did work in Virginia, there were emergency departments that were freestanding, but still affiliated with the hospital. So they were kind of outpatient departments with an ER, and but we would transfer directly to the larger hospital, like the sister hospital. Um, I know Colorado is one of the other states, but I'm not quite familiar with which other states have this ability. Okay. And let me, I kind of am hearing this as well. What you, the subtext of what you said is in order to treat the patients the way that you feel is best for them, you almost have to step outside of the system. Is that, is that an accurate representation of what you're saying? In a way, I think you're right, Rob. I think that we have to really challenge the model and kind of be a bit of a disruptor in the sense that, yeah, these are the rules. And of course, I'm going to play the game by the rules. And I understand that there's insurance companies and a lot of middlemen involved um, after the fact. But in that interaction between me and the patient, what matters most is what is happening during that dialogue. And if I have to be able to document a certain way, if that's how what playing, you know, by the rules means, then I can do that. But I think that we can actually help the entire global system of healthcare if we just spend a little bit more time because we're going to order probably less things and give patients an understanding as to why we don't have to do everything according to a checklist, like a menu at Whataburger. It makes yeah, I, I love it, and um, sometimes the menu at, at Whataburger just has more stuff on it than you need. Um, yeah. so, excellent. Um, can you give me an example of quality healthcare? So an example of quality healthcare. So, for example, in our emergency department, we had somebody come in, a three-year-old boy whose mom was super scared because his pattern of breathing was quite scary. I mean, he he looked very pale, ashen, um, very concerned about him. And medically, yes, we managed him. He happened to be in DKA, so extremely high sugar levels, needed to be in the ICU at the, at the specialty children's hospital. We were able to do all the technical aspects of taking care of him. But then you have a mom here who is not well-versed in medicine, who's never heard of diabetes outside of like a, an older person and doesn't understand how her kid, despite him not having that many sweets, could have diabetes, right? So there was like a two-prong approach. We had to do things very urgently, emergently to take care of this child, but then also to take care of this mom and help her understand. And I think it was doing both of those 
swiftly, but with compassion that I think is quality healthcare. Yeah. Uh, And that's, I mean, the bigger context there is that when a patient presents in front of you, they represent more than just their themselves. It's not just a single person. There is a whole world of connection with that, especially when you're dealing with younger patients, you're dealing with parents and family, and it's just a, a big extended, uh, extended relationship and extended connection that you're, you're serving. Uh, what do you wish people understood about your role in healthcare? I wish, and I, I touched upon this in my um, TEDx talk from Breckenridge last year, I wish that people, patients, when they come in, they understand that there's a lot of pressure on physicians to do things to, to dot their I's and cross their T's. And sometimes that stress is what enters the equation during that patient encounter. And so sometimes if they're appearing... Um, maybe not as conversive or not making as great eye contact is that there are certain data points that are bringing about a lot of stress into that interaction. And so I think if patients can also bring in their compassion as they come into that room, and if we can just release those data points from each other, it's actually going to allow the entire process to be a lot more smooth and to deepen the connection. Okay. Let me... uh... Let me kind of lay this out the way that I'm hearing you say it, and you tell me if I'm understanding properly. To me, when a patient comes in, especially into an emergency room, they are they are at a very low point, right? They're at a bad place. There's a lot of stress, a lot of angst, a lot of concern, a lot of mental um, anguish, all of those things going on. And they're looking to the you know, the staff to help alleviate that. On the other side, the staff is, they're not coming from a spa where they're feeling all relaxed and wonderful. They are feeling pressure as well. There's a pressure of other patients in other rooms who are also, you know, dealing with issues. There is the pressure of their own shift, their own, the fact that they may or may not have taken a break recently, that there's the all of these things together. And so you end up with two groups of people who are both under a lot of pressure and need to have a little bit of compassion for each other. Does that resonate with you at all? Absolutely. I think that bringing compassion on both sides, we will help both, both parties. Okay. What excites you about the future of healthcare? I'm very excited that in general, providers and patients um, are a lot more open-minded about taking on a patient, not just as, as divisive systems, right? So it's not just the lungs, the heart, the brain, because I feel like over the last 40 years, as we've been able to create specialties, which is much needed, and, and, and subspecialties, which are needed as well, sometimes patients feel that they are getting chopped up and and only one part of it and not seeing the connection within themselves, you know, within their biome. And I think that now there's definitely a transition where people are understanding the relationship between mental health and physical health and being able to adapt that as the entire system of being. Yeah. Uh, as I, Listen, I've got a spinal cord injury and um, I am not 
a spinal cord injury. That's not, that's not who I identify. I'm Rob. And that, mm-hmm. that piece of information is, is much broader than just a diagnosis or a partial diagnosis or anything like that. So yeah. Um, last question for you. What is one thing medical professionals can start doing today to improve the quality of healthcare? So I think every medical professional should probably have access to a mindset coach. I think that there is so much uh, potential uh, and we see that potential for burnout, potential for feeling like there's too much pressure. And I think talking through these things, a lot of times we feel like we're the macho guy uh, on the other end and we have to be able to handle it because we're advising other people on how to do things. But I think the whole point of coaching is not necessarily for someone to give you the answers is for you to realize that you have the ability to seek your own solutions. And so it's just kind of finding a map to how to get there. And so a lot of medical professionals are feeling lost or stuck and access to a coach will be able to give you insight as to how to improve your own situation without necessarily leaving medicine, but being able to enhance the experience. I, I feel like years ago, like stress and it was kind of a badge of honor in which, you know, medical professionals were talking about, I saw it. X number of patients over X number of hours. And, and it was, you know, it was kind of to, to point out how superhuman they were. And we've come to realize now, and what you're saying is, listen, you need to, you need to take care of yourself so that you can take care of others. And, and I think what you're saying though, is those solutions don't need to come from outside necessarily. You may carry those solutions within you. Does it, is that accurate? Absolutely. I think we have the solutions within ourselves, but being able to talk through it is what allows those solutions to surface because otherwise they're kind of stuck inside the core of us and we don't realize it, but we can actually make a more productive, joyful life if we actually talk through it and realize like, oh, it's right here. It's right within me. Excellent. Uh, Yeah. And I mean, Sometimes many people got into the medical profession. Many people get into healthcare because they want to help others. And the, the realization is, you know, sometimes I need somebody to help me is also uh, an important thing to say. Listen, I'm Anita Bengali. Thank you for joining me today. I appreciate your sharing your time. Appreciate you sharing your thoughts. And I appreciate your perspective on healthcare. Thanks for listening to Perspectives on Healthcare. Visit PerspectivesOnHealthcare.com to learn more about Rob Oliver or to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If this podcast was valuable, we'd appreciate a review on iTunes. Or if you tell a friend or coworker about the show, that would be helpful too. Join us again next time for more Perspectives on Healthcare.